Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. Hello and welcome in to the Patriots Wire podcast. I am Henry McKenick here with Ryan O'Leary and we are doing a role reversal this week. I, for once, get to welcome you into the show and Ryan, for once, gets to wait until he's, I give him permission to speak. Uh, but yeah, welcome in, Ryan. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable in this seat, right? This is the seat. This is the expert seat. This is the one you're supposed to be sitting in, Henry. So now I feel like I got to be smarter than I really am. Uh, but I appreciate it. Yeah, this it, is man. great. I get to pretend to be all like competent and professional as the host. Uh, but yeah, we're stoked for this this show. This is a show about training camp. We're a few weeks away, and we want to get you primed up and ready. So we're going to name some uh, storylines to watch. What we are doing, though, is not necessarily hitting like the top storylines, because I think if you've been listening to this podcast, and frankly, if you've just been reading about the Patriots, you've seen some of the most obvious ones, right? You've seen that the offensive play caller is yet to be named, but it's trending the way of Matt Patricia. And we have no idea how that will look in the all-important second year of Mac Jones's development, right? Huge story. But we've talked that to death, right, Ryan? So we're going to jump no into yep. some of the, yeah, we're going to jump into some of the tier two storylines uh, that Patriots fans haven't necessarily gotten totally over discussed over the course of this offseason so let's hit storyline number one ryan talk to me what are you thinking about is maybe an under underrated or uh under the radar story that we should really dive into here yeah i i prepared for this henry because again you know sitting in the experts chair here this is not where i'm comfortable <laughs> um I, for me looking at the depth chart kind of looking at all you know Reading through Patriots Wire, I'm like, okay, what's my top storyline? I think it's Jonu Smith. I think it, for me, it's Jonu Smith, just that singular player. And I want to get your take on him because I looked up his stats from last year. Now, I know it was rough, right? Like, I know it felt like every time Jonu Smith did anything, it was like Josh McDaniels was force feeding him the ball, like in the first quarter, and then he'd peter out. Um, or he'd make some type of boneheaded play, like the ball would bounce off him and get picked off, like that Saints game, right? I just, I just pulled up his, his stats. 28 catches, 294 yards, one touchdown. From a tight end you paid at the top of the market last year. That is just freaking horrible, right? Like, you need more from this guy, obviously. And if they can get that, right? If they can get to that, like, true two tight end offense where the defenses who already have to worry about your really good running game, now you you actually have the two tight end thing that we thought we were going to have last year. I mean, we've seen Mac Jones, right? He looks really good. He can handle himself with a play action, right? I, I think Jonu Smith is the X factor of the team and if he could just get himself up to like a right around where hunter henry was right like hunter henry wasn't like his touchdown numbers were awesome but like give me 50 catches 500 600 yards if johnny smith could get there i think he's an x factor that like transforms this offense even more than like a Devonte parker could or a taekwon thornton if those guys really catch on right i think johnny smith is like he holds the key if he could just do something more then 28 catches for 294 yards and one touchdown, Henry. So I think Johnny Smith, he's my number one storyline heading into camp. He's the guy I'm like focused on. Yeah, and you, you're talking about a tree in the greater forest. So I'm going to go more of a forest storyline, which is like 
the offensive skill players that were underutilized in 2021. And that's that's basically just two, John Smith and Nelson Aguilar. So the question is, how can the Patriots use those players more? And, and even can they? Because guess what? The Patriots added Devontae Parker and Tyquan Thornton. Those are two players that are very similar in style to Nelson Aguilar, or at least they play the same role in the offense. And then Johnny Smith, yards after the catch guy, sort of a red zone guy in theory, just naturally because he's a tight end. That's kind of what Devontae Parker is, at least big, big body target in the red zone, right? So, so that kind of eats away potentially at upside for John o. Smith's touchdowns, Tyquan Thornton, even, even Matt Groh, the Patriots director, director of play person, player personnel. He was talking about how Tyquan Thornton is, is a red zone threat. So these players that are coming in, you'd think that, okay, it's the second year in the system for Johnny Smith, second year in the system for Nelson Aguilar. This is when they can really get going because their stats, if you look at them, don't look at them. It's like looking at your bank account when you know you're out of money. There's just not a lot there. And you you can't imagine them really seeing too much upside because of the influx of new talent. So that's kind of my point of interest is actually both players looked really good in minicamp. So can they have that ups- upside even with the addition of these new talents uh, that are doing similar things? It should be it should be fascinating. What's your number two training camp storyline that you're really going to be hammering on Patriots Wire and watching when the training camp uh, practices get going? Similar theme but opposite uh, outlook. I'm looking at players who similarly, I think, like they need to have the upside, but they have all of the reason why they're going to demonstrate their upside. And what I mean by that is Nelson Aguilar, Johnny Smith, they're kind of inhibited in their upward mobility because of the acquisitions. I want to talk about the young linebackers who are suddenly free and clear to play a ton of snaps. And not necessarily because they've earned them. Josh Uche, Ronnie Perkins, Anthony Jennings, those are three players. Cameron McGrone also. Players picked in the third and the second, third, and fourth rounds of the last three drafts. So high picks, lots of capital thrown at this linebacker position. And guess what? They have basically all done bagel. They've done almost nothing. Uche was a role player, but not productive. Ronnie Perkins basically didn't see the field, and Bernie Jennings has not really seen the field, and Cameron McGrone has spent the entire season on uh, pup slash injured reserve. So that's four names of players who probably don't mean a lot to Patriots fans with the exception of Josh Uche, and if you're a diehard fan, you probably know the others. But get to know those names because they may very well be, two of them, maybe even three, might be starters for week one and Uche is going to be kind of the guy that they need to be not Dante Hightower and Bill Belichick actually said as much. Don't compare Uche to Hightower, but Uche is going to play kind of every position along that front. And that makes him a three down linebacker all of a sudden. So he could be a productive player. Cameron McGrone on the inside, maybe some uh, rushing from Ronnie Perkins. I don't even know if Hanford Jennings makes the team, honestly, because he's just never really shown potential. 
So I'm kind of interested with all of this opportunity. There's no Dante Hightower, no Jamie Collins, no Kyle Van Noy. Who steps up in that linebacker group? Because somebody's got to. <laughs> yeah, and I, I loved when you were talking about Uche, and you're like, he's going to be a three-down linebacker all of a sudden. And that's so that's so true, right? Like, how many times, especially with this player, were we waiting for, like, Uche, he's the former second-round pick, right, Henry? Do I have that right? Yeah. Uh, yep. How many times were we on this show, like, we're like, all right, this player to watch here is Uche. He's going to have his breakout game. And then you look up, you pull up the snap counts, and it's like, Oh, he only played 15 snaps, right? Like, how often did that happen? And all of a sudden, Josh Uche is going to play inside, outside. He's going to play all over the field, never leave the field, like Dante Hightower would. Like, I don't know. I just like, why is why is Uche all of a sudden graduated? Has he earned it, or is it because of where we're at on this with this young uh, linebacker group? Like, like, as you said, with guys that are redshirted, like Ronnie Perkins and Raquan McMillan, right? Like guys that we just haven't seen. Um, and now I know they added Mac Wilson, but it's like, man, there's just not a lot that you can go on. And all of a sudden, Josh Uche is like graduated, like he is he has earned it. And I think as a fan, that's gotta that's gotta worry you. If you ask the Belichicks, Bill and Steve, they'll tell you that he's earned it. That they they're really optimistic about him. I I don't know that they would have let their linebacker group go as thin because they cut Kyle Van Noy and. Something tells me they're lowballing Dante Hightower. Not really sure they want him back. So I think they're they are literally clearing the floor for these young linebackers to step up. And I don't think they'd do that if they didn't have faith that they were capable. So that's why I have a little more optimism. Whereas the Patriots made the pass catching rooms more crowded. So because they're probably afraid that Nelson Aguilar is going to have another stinker of a year. That's a good point. They're doing the opposite for the linebackers because they're like okay Uche's ready we've been wasting him on the depth chart on the on the bench for the last few seasons it's a really interesting way to put it that's why we put you back in the expert chair here mid mid show mid episode (laughs) Um, all right so I'm going to steer us here into our third uh, training camp storyline that we're looking at and I'm just going to jump in here who's replacing JC Jackson right I mean I think that's that's a question that we're all going to be watching this cornerback group and uh, you know, Jack Jones, you know, I, I've seen him getting some pub around. I think Mike Reese from ESPN wrote about Jack Jones a couple weeks ago about Jack Jones being a contender, Henry to supplant JC Jackson to be like the number one corner opposite Jalen Mills. Uh, what do you think about that player? Do you think, do you think that's, there's something to that? Should we be paying attention to Jack Jones or should we be paying attention to like a Terrence Mitchell, right? Who, we probably don't know a ton about because he came over from the Texans. And, you know, as I said last week on our show, like how much Texans football were any of us really watching outside of the one game? Like, I, I don't know, not a lot. So uh, we know we got John Jones, Marcus Jones. Pretty, It feels like they're locked into the slot, right? So could Jack Jones start opposite Jalen Mills against Miami when they play week one? I feel like that's a fascinating question. We're going to start seeing that play out when the practices start in August. Yeah, I forget. We we used some of the Herm, Ed, Herm Edwards audio, right, on the podcast a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, we definitely did. So I I think we did. I don't know. I did a feature on, on Jack Jones uh, immediately after the draft. I got Herm Edwards on the phone, and he was talking about him. You guys should look it up. It's, it's headline is how Patriots rookie Jack Jones can become an elite QB, according to Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards has a habit of overhyping his players. I mean, that's just what college coaches do. Sure. But 
um, in this case, there's there's a real chance um, that Jack Jones develops into a, a you know a starting caliber corner. I think ultimately, I have a weird amount of faith that Malcolm Butler is going to be reliable and they're they're cornerback number one for most of the season, and then as the season goes on, it'll be more of a rotation like what people didn't actually notice much last year was that JC Jackson only played 80 something percent of, he was not in a hundred snap uh, season kind of guy. So if you think about how little or well, like that's a lot of snaps obviously, but JC Jackson, if he's playing not a hundred percent, which is typical for the number one corner, the Patriots liked a rotation at cornerback in 2021, even with a cornerback as good as JC Jackson. So I think we can fairly expect a similar rotation this year. That means opportunities for sort of everyone, especially at the outside corner spot where like you mentioned, you know, Jack Jones, Terrence Mitchell, um, Malcolm Butler and Jalen Mills. It's going to be a mix. And so I think early season, we'll see a lot of Malcolm Butler late season. We'll see a lot of Jack Jones, but that's what makes training camp. So interesting is can Terrence Mitchell make the roster? Cause if he can, he, he'll probably play. And can Jack Jones prove in pads that he's an effective starting caliber cornerback, even at 175 pounds? Because the in pads thing is what's most important. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of what I see happening in the cornerback position. And um, that's kind of how I think it'll all shake out but it, it i mean there's still so much to be seen so much that can happen in that group and and we haven't mentioned all of the names um you know sean wade is one of them and marcus jones and he, he he went in the third round i mean he went above jack jones in this year's draft so it is a very interesting group with basically nothing but uncertainty yeah <laughs> and, and what does that mean in terms of competition right henry like if we were to pencil in our projected depth chart for them right now, we'd probably have Malcolm Butler and Jalen Mills, right, until further notice with John Jones in the uh, in the slot. But do you think that there's a chance Malcolm Butler gets cut? Do you think there's a chance he doesn't make the team? You all, you kind of just mentioned if Terrence Mitchell makes the team. So they, they signed him, and they're paying him, what, like $3 million this year, but is there a chance he doesn't make the team? Like, competition's going to be interesting. Like, what locks are there outside of Jalen Mills and Jonathan Jones? Yeah, Jack Jones and Marcus Jones are locks just because of how high they went in this year's draft. And then Malcolm Butler, I would say there's really only like a 5% chance he misses the cut um, because they need need help at cornerback. And he was very good uh, two years ago when he was playing for Arizona, or excuse me, um, for Tennessee. It's just that sounded like things kind of got ugly in Arizona for him physically. Like he wasn't there. So that's why I would give it a shot that he shows up to camp. And he was a little dinged up during mini camp. He didn't participate fully in, in the second day of practice. So it's possible he gets cut, but even if he's injured, they'll probably roster him on the pup list or, or on IR or something. And I think they just need cornerbacks so bad. And Butler knows their defensive system. It just, it works this year. You know, they just, it, it's a very mutual relationship. He's not that expensive either. So it wouldn't be like a salary cap casualty. 
We've mentioned here in our training camp storylines uh, the Jonu Smith, Nelson Aguilar dynamic. We mentioned the linebackers, the youth movement, Josh Uche with Jennings, Perkins, what's going on there at linebacker. And then we mentioned J.C. Jackson uh, being out, maybe Jack Jones being in, maybe Malcolm Butler. We did that whole thing. Honorable mention goes to who's calling the plays, right? But we've done, we've been there, we've done that, Henry, right? You you mentioned that at the top, so we're not going to get into that, but that's our honorable honorable mention. Who's calling the plays for Mac Jones? Is it Matt Patricia? One yeah. thing I am, one one thing behind the scenes, not to get too deep into this topic because we've we've hammered it, but like, is Joe Judge really in the mix? That's that's one that's one thing I'll be watching too. Like, is it Matt Patricia? Feels like he's kind of the front runner here, um, but. Joe Judge, is he dead or is he still in the mix? Is there really going to be like ongoing competitions throughout the summer? And can Joe Judge close that gap and win the job? Like, is it already decided? I think that's like a little storyline that as a fan, I'll be I'll be trying to pay attention to a little bit. Yeah. The the almost competition occurring between Patricia and Judge to because Judge is going to be in Mac Jones's ear all season as the quarterback's coach, but Matt Patricia might be also in Mac Jones's year as the play caller all season. So their ability to sculpt and mold Mac Jones in his second season, a season where he already seems to be taking huge steps forward. Can they keep pushing those steps forward? Can they keep making Mac Jones into a, let's say top 15 quarterback? That's kind of what needs to happen in order for this team to make the playoffs. And we dedicated basically a whole, a whole podcast toward that idea. So, for sure. Go check that out if you haven't already. Continue to check out Henry's stuff on Patriots Wire, please. Does a great job on that site along with his contributing writers. And uh, Henry, great stuff as always, man. Looking forward to uh, hooking up on here a little bit later in the summer to really dive in as we get closer to actual trading camp starting. But always good to catch up on, on Patriots football with you, my man. Yep. We look forward to checking in with everyone just about a week before camp. And we will have the latest and hottest information for you so tune in how'd you like doing the intro was that fun for you i had a good time yeah, i hope i hope the listeners enjoyed <laughs> i was a little nervous i didn't know when you're gonna pitch it to me i like i like i'm realizing i'm a control freak when it comes to this stuff i just need to know what i'm supposed to do and it, and it needs to be <laughs> on paper in front of me henry what i'm supposed to say or i freak out a little bit you just ablib that thing you just said all right yeah like hit record let's go and you did it. So soon you'll just be doing the show by yourself. You ask yourself the questions, answer the questions, do the intro, do the outro. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't think I don't think people would like that. I feel like they get bored of me. Um, I'm not that interesting. I hope not. But hey, why don't you? You are an expert at doing the outro. So why don't you give us an outro to head us into the rest of July here? Uh, I've got nothing as usual. <laughs> I used all my energy on the intro. It's gone. I, Ladies, all the magic is gone. Gentlemen, have a great summer. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.